Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. So there is a legacy of trauma in the African-American experience that is a result of slavery, the Jim Crow era, police brutality, and so much more. The trauma of the black experience seems to be normalized in our society through frequent images of black people being beaten and murdered as they are shared globally on social media platforms on a daily basis. Is normalizing trauma harmful to the black community? Well, the business of being black today is the normalization of black trauma. Please welcome the CEO of Kim Crowder Consulting, Kim Crowder. Hi, Kim, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. Criminal justice activist, Mona Lisa Johnson. Hi, Mona Lisa. Hello, Tammy. Thank you for being here. Booktuber and the host of Bow Ties and Books, Jesse Morales Small. Hi, Jesse. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. An actor and producer, Trey Elliott, is on board with us today. Hi, Trey. How you doing? You forgot comedian, but it's okay. I'm <laughs> Well, listen, okay. I'm sure through your dialogue, you will certainly remind <laughs> us that you come from the comical world. Right. Listen, I always like to start the show with the same question. And that question is very relative to the title, The Business of Being Black. So why should Black people care about the traumatization being normalized in the culture? Why? Let's start with you, Jesse. Well, the the most straightforward way that I can weigh in is that the overrepresentation of black pain causes our children to internalize the idea that black is synonymous with suffering. And that's simply not true. That is that's a very simple way to put it. Uh, uh, Mona Lisa, why? Why should black people care? I think it's absolutely necessary that uh, Black people care because it is running rampant, uh, not just in today's time, but for centuries. You know, uh, trauma has been seen uh, and has been shown, but people are not necessarily believing. So I believe that you need to see in order to believe and that collectively we can all come together because everyone's not Black. So if we are shown collectively that there is Black trauma and it is occurring still to this day, collectively, we can be held responsible and we can start to, you know, do something about it uh, from legislation to awareness. It's, it's important that we do this because if we don't and we stop it now, then what we're going to find is that we're going to go backwards because people just don't believe until they see. Kim, why? I'm a Black woman. Why should I care about normalizing Black trauma if it is a part of my life? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when we look at data around this in psychology, Black people are, black people can experience PTSD from continuously seeing trauma. Uh, I know for myself, you're on social media and all of a sudden you're watching a video of 
someone being beaten by police officers. What I'm not saying is that it's not important to move things forward at times, but also we notice in social media that people are talking a lot about Black joy because joy has not been by and large so synonymous with the Black experience, which is unfortunate and very much so a misrepresentation of who we are as people. Yeah, Trey. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, I feel as though with it being seen every day is definitely numbing, numbing it down and just making us feel like, ah, oh, it's, it, you know, it is what it is to where back in the day, there's nothing new going on with the trauma. This has been happening for a very, very long time. But I think now that we can see it every day, it's just making us numb to it. And I feel as though we need to focus more on the non-trauma and, and, and the positive things that's going on. That way we can just take that and move forward with that. But like, like you know, like you were saying, every time I pick up my phone and look online, we're just seeing these negative images. I mean, and all this damaging things that's happening to our community, which could really have a, a bad effect on us. And I just think we need to focus more on, on the positive aspect. We all know what's happening out here. We all know what the cops are doing. We all know what we're doing in our community. So something that I don't really feel like we need to see every single day because it's just going to just make it seem like uh, it is what it is. You know what I mean? That's the mentality that we're going to, that I think we have developed over the time. You know? Yeah, I want to go back to what Jesse said and uh, the point about, listen, Black trauma if we continue to normalize it, it makes black people synonymous with trauma. And as Kim said, there we there is black joy too. Right. So so is the frequency of the black trauma that's out there, does it make us equal to a people full of trauma and nothing more? Mona Lisa? I, I say that uh, the frequency is there because it needs to be there. There are different levels of trauma that are being seen. It is not just murder. It's not just police uh, uh, tra trauma, or it's not things like that. I mean, take for example, with the Sesame Street uh, situation that just happened, the character just refused to reach out to the black girls. And you know, that was traumatic at the end of the day, but if it had never been shown, you wouldn't even see that what's going on is what's going on. Frequency, mm -hmm. Um, I feel like you have to control over what you visualize and what you look at and what you intake on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe children don't have as much um, a, a choice over that, but we as adults, we do. So, you know, if, you, if it's too much for you and you feel like it's not something you want to continue to see, then you should not look at your Facebook thread or, or look at your uh, Instagram thread, because I do believe that we have to continue to show this. It has got to be shown. So for those of us who are out there who want to make a change and who will fight for change and who will, you know, continue to fight, you know, even though we still want to have joy in our lives and balance in our lives and stuff like that, we have to see this stuff. Jesse, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying, but for adults, you know, it's something that we can handle. We can handle better. And, and to be honest, a lot of adults can't handle it. You know what I mean? Like depression is at an all-time high. Mental illness is at an all-time high. Anxiety, you know, you never really heard about anxiety in the Black community until recent. That's because of all the stuff that we're seeing. So it's really having a, a kind of a negative effect on us. It's like now we, we don't even want to, we're scared to go anywhere or, or do a lot of things. And so, and that's adults. So imagine with the kids, the people who, who minds have not fully developed and they're seeing all of this, kids have access to so much stuff now that back, you know, when we were small in, in elementary school, middle school, we didn't see, you know, we had to really watch the news to watch Rodney King get beat up. Now, 
you're, you're seeing people being murdered, you know? And, and, and at that time, our parents can censor us to say, hey, you know, don't watch the news or we're in bed by that time. But now kids are watching stuff before they go to school. Kids are watching stuff during school. So it's not even really with the adults, it's, it's the kids and how it's developing their minds at this young age as far as what's being shown or what's happening. You know so what Kim, I mean? what is black trauma? And are people addicted to watching black trauma? I mean, media that showcases a group's pain and trauma in excessive amounts uh, for the sake of entertainment. Is that what we've become as a society today? Are, are we using the trauma of the black experience as pure entertainment, Kim? I think there's some of both of that's happening. For instance, we, when we think about um, what just happened in Black Lives Matter in that movement, it was because of a video, right? Um, that has been a very big part of this, particularly my work. I work in diversity, equity, inclusion, and workplaces. Workplaces have specifically sought us out because of that movement, because of the visuals that, that we saw. On the flip side, I will say, how many times have you looked at social media and Black people say, I'm tired? Literally, that's the language we use because we have a collective grief that other groups, particularly white folks do not understand. And so when you, it's not just us who's watching this, it is white folks who are watching this over and over and over who have gotten used to it. When you think about the difference between watching what happened on January 6th and not seeing um, anything happen to those people. And then you transpose that to what happens to us at a traffic stop and watching that happen. It, it the, the difference is wild, but also what that does to your psyche around your personal safety every day, how you feel about your safety every day. That's a big part of this. I don't think this conversation has to happen in a vacuum. I don't think it has to be binary, but I do think we should really be talking about the fact that there is an overload of black trauma that we continuously watch and consume. And around the, 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 the mention of we can control what we see on social media to some degree, the algorithms do what the algorithms do. And so if you slow down on something, if you happen to click on something, then the algorithm shows that up for you over and over and over. So do we have, we do, sure, we could be off of social media, but there's still a piece of it that feeds that it with you, whether or not you want it or not. Yeah. Jesse, I want to get you in on this. Well, our perspective, we're going to approach this from the perspective of, of somebody who is a YouTuber who focuses on literature and the representation of blackness in literature because this issue affects the book community as well and so to to say that there are a disproportionate amount of books that hit the new york times best-selling list both by black authors and non-black authors um, to say that those stories are reflective of the nuance the emotional complexity within the black community is absolutely incorrect because the stories that hit the top of the charts are disproportionately those that are of suffering. Look at The Hate You Give, right? An absolute blockbuster of a, of a book. And that was the, the first really large book by a Black author to get adapted in quite a long time, in quite a while. And those stories that tend to perform well when they are stories that feature excessive suffering. But when you are a Black child, um, reading is no longer fun for you because the only way that you get to see yourself depicted is if your depiction is justified by some sort of trauma presence. And then that's the same for white readers. White readers only find Black narratives of interest when they are featuring excessive, excessive trauma. That's the only way that they can um, kind of appreciate Black folk. 
And that happens specifically because of the disproportionate amount of painful imagery that we are shown from day one. I want to I want to hone in on that when we get back, because it Mm -hmm. sounded like you said uh, that the only way white people can have this sort of uh, uh, sympathy for black people is if they see it or read about our trauma as well. But I could be wrong. We're going to check me when we get back on business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is the normalization of black trauma. Jesse, I wanted to hone in on what you said when you talked about uh, the books and how when other people from other ethnicities read these books, it's kind of the only way that they can feel for us. Did I get that wrong or right? No, I'm it's. It's a, a two-part thing that is true, but also there's there's more complexity than I was able to to represent. the The other half of that issue is that those are the only books that are marketed as interesting, right? This is not just a reader issue. It's not just well, that in itself is interesting. That only yeah. the books that reflect Black trauma are books that are labeled as interest. Thing to read, which mm-hmm. means that it gets a little more attention than any other books that may be just as interesting, right? Yes, there's been a big push um, to focus on narratives that do depict Black joy because those aren't the ones that are getting into the hands of children who are actually interested in, in reading more about Black people that doesn't have to be synonymous with suffering. And it's so hard to advocate and fight for those books because not not only readers, but publishing doesn't want to book those deals. Publishing doesn't want to put as much marketing energy into those types of narratives when they can simply reach for a narrative that they know is going to sell well, because the way that Black people can be visible in society is if it's justified with excessive suffering. Well, hot damn. Who knew that? Mona Lisa, why? 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 Wow, man, you're talking, the literary world for me is kind of like a, a unknowing world, if you will, because I just started to read, honestly, um, as an adult, I started reading like in my late 20s and 30s. And the most that I will ever read is self-help books and things like that. So, you know, I can't necessarily say why to that specific issue, but I can say that, you know, when you're looking at what's happening with the Facebook and the Instagram and stuff like that, that Facebook and Instagram has been, there are legislations now that have been put down on them that they're now having to execute and they're having to execute these and by, and they're starting to uh, have to uh, go through all of the different feeds that they're allowing, what they're allowing, what they're not allowing and stuff like that. And so they're now um, uh, pushing things past a, a preview to find out whether or not it's rated a certain rate. And if it is, it can't be shown. And if so, on what hours? Is it only in the evening hours and the late hours? It's almost becoming like television. Facebook and Instagram is going through a rating system and they are now being looked at from that perspective. And it is because of what we're showing, all the different traumatic uh, things that are on uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Right. Kim, can we connect this? What's being shown on Facebook, um, based on what you just said, what we know is that many black creators are being shadow banned in the process of that. And so in being able to speak up about things, they're actually, they're, their content is being hidden. Also with around what Jesse was saying around the publishing industry, which is historically white. Um, you think about the help 
So if we're going to let's let's say we get off of police brutality. Right. And we move on to the help and what the help did in showing black women in that same position of being maids um, and then elevating white folks at the end of that. When you talk about the movie versus, you know, in the book and that sort of thing, those are the things that get greenlit. That was written by a white woman. But those are the things that get greenlit and then that are pushed marketing wise so that we're watching that. And what happens is, is when white people become acquainted and when when even when we become acquainted with only trauma and pain then out in the world we tend to accept that because we think it is part of our legacy it's part of the way that we, that we operate in the world which is why you see something like black panther move out, move the way it did because it's so rare that we see those kind of stories where we are superheroes where we do you know live in this world of fantasy sci-fi and that sort of thing there's pushes for that kind of content because it doesn't exist and so what I think we're all we're all talking about, I think for me, I'm not saying that we should not see, um, you know, Bloody Sunday was what it was. Right. But you saw Bloody Sunday on TV and there was a reason Bloody Sunday was so impactful. There was a reason why George Floyd was impactful, but it cannot be the only thing that we're watching, especially at the rates of which we're consuming that uh, that content. Right. If you talk to 90s babies, right, um, mm -hmm. one of their favorite movies is Love and Basketball which has nothing to do with our trauma. It has everything to do with us excelling and and loving. So yeah, um, if the video footage, since you brought up George Floyd, let's go there, Kim. If the video footage of George Floyd being murdered by the police had not been uh, uh, caught on video, would Derek Chauvin have even been charged and sentenced for the murder tray? Uh, that's a great question. And, you know, on the flip side, I would definitely say no. So... You know, it's, man, it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword right here. It's just like that whole George Floyd, it, it definitely, I feel like made you know, white people sympathize for us more because they was actually able to see what was happening. And I'm the type of guy, whenever I see these videos, the first thing I do, I go into the comments and see who's commenting and what they are saying. And I have recently since that especially since the George Floyd scene, a lot more white people try to become our allies, which was dope because you didn't really see that that much. You know, um, it, it, you know, you didn't see that during the Rodney King for real, or if you saw, we, we didn't really know. But the whole Black Lives Matter, and you had more people marching, more white people marching in LA and in, in these and in these rallies more so than us. So that was a dope part about 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 showing, you know, that whole incident and showing some of the trauma is that some of the, the non-black people are finally kind of starting to sympathize with us. Yeah, I wait for the day that white people get so sick of seeing black trauma that they just start a whole campaign call. Can y'all just leave black people alone? Right. right <laughs> That's right. what I'm waiting on. <laughs> and we almost there. I think we almost there. I think, you know. Mm -hmm. I think for somebody, somebody who I work in the diversity, equity, inclusion space, when you look at what white people are really willing to do around processes, around system, around giving a privilege and power, sure, I'll march. That doesn't cost me anything. Uh, sure, I'll put a black square on my social media. That doesn't cost me anything. But when we really start talking about the systems uh, at which, you know, the ways that they vote, where they're willing to live, where they're willing to um uh, you know, send their kids to school. All of that stuff plays a role. And even if they, you know, come and integrate, then whose narrative gets the louder voice in those situations? And do white people even recognize and notice what that what that looks like? So I think 
you know, when we are talking about this from a perspective, I think really what we should, one of the things we can talk about is why do, why does America or why does the world continuously have to watch Black trauma in order to believe it? We have enough books. We have enough history. I'm in diversity, equity, inclusion. You don't know how many people come to us and say, you know, can we hear the stories? Can we have our employees of color share their stories? No, <laughs> we are not going to share one more story. You don't deserve our stories. You There's enough data around what we have been through if you really want to make a change in order to do so. Well, there is also a segment of the population that doesn't even believe slavery happened. Yeah, that's I'm what I'm say saying. That right there, right there. It's, it's so far away. Like they can't, they can't relate to, you know, because they, they didn't see it. And when you're reading the history books, that doesn't resonate to white people. They, it's like, oh, because they're like, well, my, my father wasn't, wasn't the slave master and my grandfather wasn't the slave master. So they can't really relate to really what's been going on. So a lot of times, you know, they really have to see it to believe it. You know, it's been times I grew up with white friends and if something happened to me, they would be the main ones like, oh my God, man, that's not, that's not, oh, I'm sorry, that's not fair. That's not fair. You know what I mean? To Trey, that's not fair with what's going like they they will actually see it and then they will stand up and you know, because they actually witnessed it and saw it. You know what I mean? Which which is good. So, but if they don't see it, a lot of times they, they don't get it. They don't they don't relate. They 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 you know they just can't relate. It's, it's fine. Mona Lisa, I hear you wanting to jump in. Oh, I'm I'm over here like double dutching, like let me in. <laughs> Listen, this is the reason why I was saying in the beginning, you have to, some people have to see to believe. Even our Black, rich, privileged, brought up in a good life, kids don't even believe it. I mean, there's been times when I've had to look at my daughter, even though she's gone to prison, got out, living a new life and stuff like that before that, and had to make her realize that there are certain things that she's going to experience in this life. And I am so glad that they are still showing all of this because it's not just trauma that's brutal, uh, police brutality, like I said earlier. It's not just murder. It's coming from the educational system. You know, now let's talk about from the literary, literary system. You know, it's coming from, uh, look at NFL Terrell Owens, the uh, NFL oh, yeah. superstar Terrell Owens. He just went through this this past weekend with his neighbor, uh, yeah. a white woman, who if he had not caught it on camera, that she was basically saying in so many words, and I'm going to paraphrase before I get crucified, um, that, you know, I, I'm a white woman. And if I just call the police right now, if I just call the police right now and say that a black man is doing something to me, they're going to take my side. If he had not recorded that, first of all, he would have not even uh, done anything but go to prison and probably had to fight for the rest of his life against something right. that somebody said. But if he had not seen this on some form of, of media of some sort, this type of trauma, he would not have even realized that I need to record this because this could come up against me. It's educating us. It is tra traumatizing us. I won't deny that. But at the same time, it's also educating us that we need to be aware. People don't believe that this stuff really happens. Yeah. She said, you're a, you're a black man coming after a white woman. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it definitely spoke to a difference. And, and what's so funny is they're saying the silent part out loud consistently and still not believing it, but you're saying it and not believing it at the same time blows my mind. Jesse. I do want to, I have somewhat of a different perspective. It's, it's not necessarily that I disagree. It's that I do want to point out that not believing Black people from their own mouth is in, and of, in, is in of itself a form of racism. That is racist. The fact that you even need a video is racism. 
the fact that Black voices are not credible. They have been. And if we keep having this emphasis on evidence, then they never will be. Also consider the fact of all of the cases of body cam, dash cam footage, of all of the things that we've had on tape for years and how that hasn't necessarily led to more convictions. I mean, even in the George Floyd case, Jacob Frey has always declined in his 20 year career. He has never once prosecuted a, a, a white cop for brutalizing a black person. Hold that thought, Jesse. We're coming right back to you on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to the Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And Jesse says we shouldn't need a video to believe black people. Well, the conversation of black trauma will continue, but a lot of us live in a financial trauma. I'm here to handle that business right now with the three week rule. Everyone wants to be financially free. One word will help you get there. Wait, yes, wait, but not long. Just wait three weeks to buy that new car. Wait three weeks to refi your home mortgage and wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. Listen, lately, I've been waiting three weeks to fill up my gas tank. These days, that is a major purchase, okay? But I found that there is something to to the wait, especially if you're like me and you don't want people like old dude in the car lot telling you, I can't get you that car, but I can get you this one. Or if you like me and don't want to pay $5,000 on something that actually costs $2,500 because the interest rate is so high, then you got to wait the three weeks. Why wait three weeks, Tammy Mac? Because that's how fast the average score master user takes to boost his or her credit score by an average of 61 points, people. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands on everything we finance. Scoremaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher Haha, and faster than you thought possible. Scoremaster is so easy, it takes about a minute to get started. How many points can you add to your credit? Hmm. Be sure to visit scoremaster.com slash B-O-B-B for the special seven-day trial I got for you. Yep. Try Scoremaster today and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. That's scoremaster.com slash B-O-B-B. Again, scoremaster.com slash B-O-B-B. I don't want anybody telling me what to buy or paying more for a major purchase than necessary. And that's why I'm consistently tracking my credit. Welcome back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack and the business of being black today is the normalization of black trauma. Please welcome the CEO of Kim Crowder Consulting, Kim Crowder, criminal justice activist, Mona Lisa Johnson, booktuber and the host of Bowties and Books, Jesse Morales Small, and actor, comedian, and producer, Trey Elliott is with us as well. Listen, um, I wanna go back to your last thought, Jesse. If if you're still there with me, <laughs> if not, <laughs> you're like, no, not really, Tammy Mack. There was a lot of commercials there. Um, but I do want to I want to talk about um, the books and how you say that um, publishers don't want to publish books if they're about black joy necessarily. And that's the same way in the movie industry. Right. If it's not roots, then they don't want to see it or believe that it could be anything successful in terms of black people. Uh, so why does black trauma play so well in the entertainment industry? Do we blame black people for that? I think that it would be incorrect to put the burden on black folk for that because black people have only very recently gained a semblance of control 
in Hollywood and in being able to be the ones behind the stories being told about us. That was set up well, well, well in advance by white, wealthy producers, directors, writers in Hollywood ever since, oh man, I always forget, Birth of a Nation. And so to suddenly pivot and say, oh, no, 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 like it's Black people. No, absolutely not, especially because Black folks aren't the ones watching these films in droves, right? Like obviously we all saw Roots, but who made Roots what it was? That was not the Black community, you know? Like in, in the, the Roots-like films is essentially what I'm saying. They get these big audiences specifically because of non-Black people getting excited and showing up about them. And then in order to break out into the industry, you as a Black author, as a Black writer, director, et cetera, you have to break out with a narrative like that in order for your voice to be credible, in order to be getting those opportunities and getting money behind your productions, et cetera. And so I think it ultimately can also be a question of how, why is it that we are so willing to write off Black stories if they don't have joy in them in the first place? And I think that that's on non-Black society as a whole. Right, right. Trey, I know you wanted to jump in here. I mean, no, um, in that sense, you're right. And like you were saying, uh, we used an example talking about Black Panther, how we all, you know, the Black community all came in, you know, we came in deep with dashikis on, you know, had our accents ready to roll to see this movie. But like I was saying, even with that, it was still a Marvel film. And Marvel films are, you know, you know they're going to do well internationally because Marvel is Marvel and they have a big internet, white, black, Asian, everybody love Marvel. But what I think we need to do is when it comes to something like that with the films is that we don't support, we don't support or we don't have the budgets or we don't have the, the distribution or, or we don't have the outlet for those films to, to, to do as good as they used to do. You know, what I mean, back back in the 90s. So. Right. So, Kim, is it a black thing? Is it that we keep going to see these uh, uh, movies that uh, perpetuate black trauma and so it gets the love? Is it that we uh, we have like our algorithms on our own personal platforms uh, uh, are showing up the black trauma because that's what we consistently stop and look at? Is it our you know, fault? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I would never say that we are at fault for anything that is happening in our community that is inequitable, period. Like we just can never put that on us. What we can, we can talk about um, what our options are. So for instance, you talk about somebody like Issa Rae and what Issa, Issa Rae was able to do on YouTube and then find that support at a larger scale. So this idea that it's not happening to some degree is not um, necessarily fair. I don't think that that is the what's happening across the board. I do think we can be selective about what we are willing to, uh, where we're willing to spend our money. And we can certainly uh, do research about what that looks like. The, the only way that that really moves forward is if there's a collective movement, right? When we start talking about things like that, it has to be an intentional collective movement at a larger scale. So are we at fault? No, I wouldn't say that. I did want to mention one thing, um, what I have noticed. So I work in the business world. What you rarely see when you talk to people are them reading books about white, about black leaders. So I'll give you an example. So you say, hey, um, you ask a CEO, who's your favorite author? John Maxwell, a white man. Um, you continuously hear the name of white men as being seen as leaders. You rarely ever hear of black men or especially not black women who are seen as leaders where they learn from us. 
when we talk about black trauma, if you can create this idea that black people are only good for trauma, then you don't see the brilliance of black folks. The way that we learn about our black history in the school setting is very much so connected to trauma. We very rarely in the school setting hear of triumph outside of the civil rights movement, outside of slavery. And so when you teach history in that way, we all, we all in some way start to believe that that is the history of our people, that that is how we should be seen. That is how we, we take a look at the ways that we consume things. And white people have been Im impacted by that as well as us. We are all unlearning at this point. And so that's why when we talk about this balance between, do I, do I say it necessarily needs to go away? No, I agree with Jesse in that way. I agree with Mona Lisa. But can we please get the opportunity to see ourselves in other ways? Mm. And that's at every area. Because in that, it's not just us who's being changed by that. It is society as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Mona Lisa, you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. There has to be a balance in everything in this world. You know, what goes up must come down, what goes around, you know, it's just balance. And, you know, I don't think that we just need to stay woke. I think we need to see woke, you know, and it's and it's not just for the, the Black uh, Americans, it's, it's for all Americans, because it's for the safety of our Black lives, because actually it's indeed our lives matter. You know, our lives absolutely matter. And so seeing woke to me is more important than, is no equally important. Let me say equally important as staying woke. I want to get a little personal here because I want to ask each of you, how does it feel when you see videos of black people being victimized by the police or white people on social media or the news? Mona Lisa, I want to stay with you there. How, how does that personally make you feel? It aggravates me. It makes me just want to knock somebody's head off their shoulders. It makes me want to, you know, uh, rise up and stand to the occasion and realize who I am and who I've been called to be as a as an advocate on behalf of our people. It makes me just really take a serious look at, oh my God, I cannot believe that this is really, really happening. I'm still in shock every time I look at it. I'm still asking the questions, why? I'm still, you know, rising to the occasion to corral all of the leaders and the people who have a voice and who don't have a voice and just making people to uh, try to get people to realize that this is so important that you start to, you know, make change, make small changes, even within your own life, then go to the outer, outer circles. It's just a it's just a, a multitude of emotions that I experience. Yeah. Jesse, how do you feel when you watch these videos? Personally, they've been so deeply debilitating to me that I absolutely refuse to watch them. I won't. Under no circumstances will you catch me watching anything like that, specifically because I don't need to see it to, to show up. I'm going to be at the rally regardless. I'm going to be donating regardless. And so for me, my radical resistance practice is that for everything that I see that is pushing pain in the Black community, I'm going to recounter that by consuming Black joy instead. Um, and that's because for me, that's how I fight back. I fight back with joy and resistance. Like you're not, I'm not going to allow a police officer to cause me pain, but I'll be at the rally. Wow. Oh, you, you have a deeper level of understanding than me. Uh, <laughs> I have to give you kudos and props for that. Uh, Trey, how does it make you feel? <clears throat> well, you know, I follow Sean King, so you know I see the stuff every day, all day. I'm like, I gotta follow him sometime. But it is the fact, you know, um, I hate to say it, but I watch a video 
And I'm one of the ones I watch it like 10 times. And I just be like, I know I shouldn't be watching it. And I know it's subconsciously having an effect on me. You know what I mean? Sometimes anxiety levels be up. You don't know where yeah. it comes from. It's yeah. like, I know where it comes from. It's from all the BS that I'm, that, that I'm looking. So, you know, so it's a, I feel guilty, to be honest. Wow. You know, like just wow. watching it and keep consuming it, knowing that, you know, is there more I can do about it? You know, is this, is this something that I'm not doing enough of? You know, especially with me having a, a 22-year-old son, it's just like, you know, I, I, it just makes me be more concerned about, about what's happening, you know, to, to our, our youth and to our, you know, and um, I kind of have a guilty, you know, whatever with it. Like, and I think, unfortunately, it, it heightens a person's perspective as well. Yeah. So like if somebody, I don't know, if a white woman skips you in line, you all of a sudden think it's racism. You know what I mean? It is funny that you say that because I'm thinking everything racist now. Right. I, that it, a white lady used a grocery store divider thing to divide her groceries from mine, I damn near lost it. Yeah, uh-huh. you like, like, oh, so you go oh, so you don't want your groceries mixing with my groceries. Yeah, okay, like, oh, I see you, white good. lady. Yeah. Yo, I felt like that. And I said, Trey, you in Whole Foods, calm down. <laughs> if you was in Rouse, you wouldn't have to worry about this. Yeah, so, and meanwhile, you know. she's thinking the audacity of him to be in Whole Foods. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is too much, too much. Kim, Kim, how does this make you feel? You deal with it on a daily basis, literally. You teach people how to deal with this world that we're living in. So how does it make you feel uh, to watch... Uh, traumatic videos of the black experience? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't watch them. Honest to goodness. I don't watch them. I don't have to watch them to sign a petition. I don't have to watch them to call my, to call my local legislation. I don't have to call, I don't have to watch it to believe the stories of black people. I mean, you know, the, the probability that what we've gone through is that versus having a, 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 a great encounter with police officer or officers or whatever that looks like Got it. I'm going to sign. I'm going to sign the petition. I'm going to do that work instead of spend my time watching that because I know the repercussions. Uh, the the repercussions of that. What that means for me. The leveling of anxiety. The way I dream. The way I I worry about the people that I love. Let's um, take a quick I break on the people that you love. We'll be back. To business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack, and the business of being black today is the normalization of black trauma. Okay. Now, Jesse and Kim, you say you don't watch it. You don't let it come past or through your scroll even. So teach us a lesson here, Jesse. How can we unplug from black trauma porn uh, when it gets to be too much? How do we get whatever that is in your mind that says, yeah, unnecessary? Sure. So for me, uh, radical resistance practices are how I survive. That's, that's how I survive as a Black queer person in America. And so I think that what it is, is each an individual person realizing what that looks like for them, because the world, and sometimes even in our own household, is not going to teach us how to love on, our t- love on ourselves. We are so good at teaching our children, hands on the wheel, don't make any quick movements, because like, yeah, that will save your life. But also seeing this constantly can take your life because depression, mental illness, et cetera, in the black community is, as we've touched on in this in this segment, is, is not widely 
discussed and it's not cared for the way. So for me personally, the way to unplug from that is like, I have my comfort TV shows and I have rules where, especially as a YouTuber, since I'm always on social media, I have rules where it's like, okay, if I have seen something traumatic, read something traumatic, then I need to counter that by looking at black social, like there's Color Me Courtney, who is a black influencer getting a lot of attention on Instagram. And her whole practice is just making videos about her being black and full figured and happy Mm -hmm. and cheerful. And um, her videos are just like, that's part of my self-care practice. And so it is like taking a bath and listening to uplifting soul romantic music by black voices that, that, that those are just as radical resistance practices as being tuned in and aware. I'm curious, give me two of your television shows you use to get, get away. So absolutely um, uh, insecure. Okay. And then as I shouldn't say euphoria, but <laughs> but euphoria. there's a lot of issues with the show, you know, but be, given that um, I struggled with depression as a teenager, I really, really connect to Zendaya. Uh, there was drug use in my household. And so, uh, but the visual images, and there is so much joy in that show. There's so much queer joy. There's so much brown joy. Um, like that is, that's how I unplug. And then it's like this, you know, it's a high school drama on top of that. Um, yeah. If I think of something, one of my more fluffy TV, oh, Steven Universe. It's an okay. animated cartoon that- Yeah, I'm like, that's fluffy. Watch. It's so <laughs> fluffy. It's so fluffy. But um, what was her name? Estelle? Estelle mm-hmm. is one of the voices of the characters and um, it's just, it's a really beautiful way to just be, be done with the world. And it's all about loving yourself as who, like who you are as like a yeah. full figure person, queer person, et cetera. It's a great show. Mona Lisa, you talked about uh, the Terrell Owens video, right? And I'm curious to know, can you think of the last maybe three Black trauma videos that have crossed your uh, your vision, your your path in the last month. Well, definitely Terrell Williams over the week. Uh, Owens, excuse me, Owens over the week. Uh, I saw that over the weekend, and before that was the Sesame Street. Ah, with the, with the character where the the character shunned off the black little girls, and that was yeah. very unnerving uh, because it was so obvious. Um, yeah. and I think the other thing that was before that uh was uh it was regarding incarceration uh where they've been they've been letting out all of the uh they let out a lot of people during covid and because they're not able to pass a drug test in states you know where marijuana is legal to a certain degree or not uh if you're caught with marijuana they're sending you back uh to prison and so that's just really you know devastating in my in my opinion those three videos yeah yeah trey she she speaks of those three videos if we don't see this stuff do we know that we have to change it? If we don't see it, how do we know what needs to be changed? How do we know what to talk to our Congress people about? How do we know who to vote for? How do we know who has our backs? If these are things that we don't see, because honestly, without the internet, George Floyd would have never happened the way in which it happened. Right, there, there's no, that we, we have to see it. There's no other way, you know. Um, at the end of the day, we wouldn't know about Brittany, you know, Griner, the basketball player, the WNBA player for real if, if it wasn't. Brianna Taylor, who, you it know, the, the, the police officers just got charged. Yeah. I, and, and that was on the heels of pressure from the people because we saw it. 
Right, Michael, Michael uh, Ar uh, Arbery. It's so many. I'm in uh, Ahmad, Ahmad, Arbery. Ahmad, Ahmad. Yeah, you know, so I'm mixing that. But you know, the Arbery. Yeah, it's like um, we we. It's to a point to where we have to see it, it but. We, we have to see it for something totally different. We have to see it for conviction, for conviction, so these guys can get convicted. You know what I mean? That's really why we have, have to really see it, is so they can get tried and, 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 and go to jail. You know what I mean? Because if we don't see it, majority of those people who, who've been, you know, who finally got convicted, they would probably still be free. You know what yeah. I mean? But that's the main reason. Go ahead, Kim. I was going to yeah. ask you, though, is, isn't that true that because we're witnessing it with our own eyes, that it gives us more of, of, of a reason to say this happened, you saw it, now let's do something. Doesn't it put more pressure on the powers that be? Philando Castile, I've never watched that full video. Mm. George Floyd, I've never watched that full video. Ahmaud Arbery, I've never watched that full video. Did I make calls because of those videos? Did I sign petitions because of those videos? Yes, but I didn't consume those videos. I knew those videos. But you did it because of the videos. I don't disagree with that. But what I am saying is, do we have to see it? Because the, the idea that we it has become so normalized for us to watch murder, nobody is supposed to ever experience watching death. It's just not, it's just not normal. But we have normalized that and we have specifically normalized that in black bodies. And that's where my challenge is. Do I have to, should I have awareness? Absolutely. But does awareness always have to come in watching from beginning to end the actual death of a black person who looks like me, who reminds me of my brother, who reminds me of my cousin? I don't believe that's the case. And so even with Breonna Taylor, we did not necessarily watch her murder, but we did see what happened. And then right. we, we we took action based on that because there is no video of her being murdered, right? Um, and so I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, is where is the middle ground? Where is the ground that we get to hold so that we still, we don't have to be so impacted in our mental trauma as Black people on a consistent and regular basis in order for us to get movement. And so the fact of the matter is, is that yes, we can have awareness, but do we have to consume it at the rates we consume it? Do we have to consume it from back and forth? Do we have to watch it over and over and over? I don't believe that's the case. I believe that you can create awareness without that level of visualization. Now, George Floyd, did that have to happen? Yes, but we have to remember that happened at a certain period of time. Everybody was home. Right. COVID was happening. It was a very specific moment in time. The was world indeed. was watching what happened. I don't know if that would have happened if things were business as usual, if things were back to normal. And so I think when we think about this, just to remember that as Black people, you get to protect your peace and you don't have to feel guilty about protecting your peace by watching a video. You can be an activist around that. But what you don't have to do is you don't have to sacrifice your mental health in the process. I've always thought that there has to be two ways. Uh, there has to be several ways, as a matter of fact, to get to a specific goal. And I take that by saying there was Malcolm X, there were the Black Panthers, there was Martin Luther King, you know, um, and they all had different ways of going about seeking justice for Black people. Um, and so maybe this is a case, too, where there are some who have to see the video to know that this is happening. And then there are those who don't have to see the video. But either way, uh, both perhaps maybe justifies um, the, the trauma in black people's lives and how we can move past it. Mona Lisa, is that an idea? I agree with that. Uh, we're not just seeing video. We're seeing truth. 
And so sometimes you just have to be like that movie, uh, The Shining with Jack, whatever his name was. Uh, Jack movie. Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, yeah. I'm horrible with names. That you, that you just know what... Can you handle the truth? You have to ask yourself that question. Well, that's a whole nother movie, Mona Lisa. You you went from a 1970s movie to a 1920s movie. <laughs> Mona Lisa, how can we keep up with you and your work? Yeah, oh, I was going back to that. He uh, the way you can keep up with me and my work, you know, is to just really follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Also, you know, watch uh, the TED Talks that I do. Uh, I'm going to be doing another TED Talk here in Boston in about another seven days, uh, August the 11th. Oh, no, excuse me, August the 15th. Also, you can, you know, follow me with prisonerofhopetv.com, uh, which just gives you some insight, you know, as to uh, the world of incarceration and how families are being impacted. Kim, tell us about the initiatives you're working on at Kim Crowder Consulting. Yeah, we work with organizations to build processes and systems that create a more equitable workplace culture, leadership coaching. Uh, And so my background is in Six Sigma leadership. And uh, what we where where you can find us is KimCrowderConsulting.com. I'm on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Follow us there. Sign up for the newsletter if you want the inside scoop about what we're working on or just to get great tips. Um, And that's pretty much it. (laughs) Thank you, Trey. uh, Please tell us about your upcoming projects and events. We need to look out for you, Trey Elliott. Yes, first, you can just follow me on my Instagram. It's comedian Trey Elliott, T-R-E-Y-E-L-L-I-O-T, comedian in the front. You got to do a lot of commentary videos uh, of happy things, things to make you laugh, get you kind of away from some of the trauma, you know. But uh, also right now I'm on the Rock the Mic tour with Tony Rock. So um, I'm in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, August 11th through the 14th. Then I'm in New York, um, the 23rd and the 24th at the Comedy Cellar. And in New Jersey from the 25th through the 27th at the Stress Factory. That's August, so you guys can check me out there. And, you know, just follow me on my uh, Instagram and you'll see where I'm at, you know, locally. And, uh, yeah, you can catch me on season two of Hacks on HBO Max as well, man. So I appreciate you for having me on here. Thank you so much for being here. Jesse, bow ties and books. I got to know about it. Well, I have a YouTube and an Instagram titled Bow Ties and Books. And my YouTube channel is basically me wearing a bow tie and talking about books. And the literature that I focus on, there's a lot of queer literature, there's a lot of BIPOC literature. And the narratives are a lot of times like fantasy, thriller, horror books, um, really any narrative that does not feature Black people um, suffering or BIPOC people as a whole suffering are what I tend to focus on on my channel. And I'm also in the process of writing a book. And that's- As you should, as you yes. should. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really excited about it. It should be done by the end of this year and then I'll be able to send it out for submission. So fingers crossed. In one word, and this is a hard one, but in one word, if I'm a white person, convince me that there is Black trauma without me having to write uh, watch a video and allow me to believe it in one word. I know that's hard. That's a real tricky question. Kim? I don't know. You're going to do me first. Um, <laughs> one word. Um, we'll, we'll circle back. Mona Lisa, what you got? Yeah. Rampant. What you got, Kim? Truth. Jesse? Credibility. Ah, Trey? 
ancestors. Woo! <laughs> and that is the business of being black on Fox Soul with Tammy Mack. The Mazda lineup of SUVs will provide safety, performance, and capability on your journey ahead. From the three-row Mazda CX-9 to the first-ever Mazda CX-50, our sales team is ready to guide you to the SUV for your lifestyle. Shop the Omaha Metro's exclusive Mazda dealers at Woodhouse Mazda in Bellevue or Woodhouse Place Mazda. Visit us online for your next Mazda SUV at woodhousemazda.com.